Welcome to Fruitful and Multiplying, a podcast from the Jewish Fertility Foundation. I'm your host, Ilana Frank. The first commandment in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. But what if, due to infertility, that path isn't so straightforward? This is a podcast about the fertility path less traveled. From the inspiring and the inspired, and the cutting-edge technology and science that continues to evolve to make it all possible. All right, here we go. Ashley Mareko knows surrogacy better than most. Not only does she work as program manager for Surrogacy First, a surrogacy agency, but Ashley has been a surrogate herself four times. She's passionate about helping others navigate surrogacy, and today we have the opportunity to learn why Ashley finds surrogacy so powerful. Ashley, welcome to Fruitful and Multiplying. Hi, how are you this morning? Awesome. Um, I mean, it's a little bit hard of a day with everything going on in the Middle East, but I always feel like if we can help somebody on their family building journey, like even though I'm having a hard time, we've got to stick to our mission and we're excited to hear about you, about surrogacy and everything awesome that you're doing. I appreciate you making this time. And yeah, my prayers are with everyone who is um, is just dealing with the terrorism out in Israel. My heart's with Thank you guys. You. Thank you. All right. So first of all, let's talk about your family building journey. When did it begin? Let's talk about you. Who are you? Yeah. Um, and I apologize. I've got a little uh, frog in my throat, but um, my story falls back many years ago. So I was a young mother. Um, I actually gave birth to my first child um, a month after I graduated high school. And so by the age of 21, I had completed my family. Um, but we were in a very bad place in our lives financially and our marriage. And so I actually had prayed that God would close my womb until we could be good parents and we would be financially stable. Uh, fast forward five years and we had moved from Hawaii and we were trying to start our family and we finally had a home and we could afford children and ended up finding out we had secondary infertility, male factor, and we couldn't have any more children. And I spent a couple of years of being very bitter, um, very bitter with that. I was seeing everybody else who I felt shouldn't have children have children. And here we were finally in the right place to have children. And, and we couldn't. Um, at that same time, I kind of just felt this like little tug on my heart of, you know, aren't you grateful for the children you have? And um, it kind of hit me in the gut. And the next thing I kind of felt was like, because there's people who haven't completed their families, there's people who don't have children. And I had never heard of surrogacy growing up in Hawaii. Um, it wasn't something that was talked about. Infertility wasn't talked about. And so I started looking into it and realized like, oh my gosh, like I had great pregnancies I had big hips, like, wait, hey, hang on a second. Let's back up a second. You yeah. prayed to God to close your womb and then you had secondary ability. Yeah. So I, you know, I asked him if he would just close it for, for the time until we were ready to be parents and where we could be good parents because I wasn't, I wasn't a good parent. I had very little patience. I just was not treating my children as the gift they should be. We were struggling financially and, you know, it was very hard and, and so, you know, we, we didn't think it'd be smart to bring children into the world, but I also didn't believe in birth control, you know? And so it was the struggle I had. And so 
then he did. He listened to us. And so for five years, we stayed safe until we were like, okay, God, we're ready now. Like, can we have more children now? And he was like, mm, different plans. <laughs> so, Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I dealt with that. It was hard. I mean, it was a couple of years and, you know, I'd go to Bible studies and, and see everybody was getting pregnant and family members were getting pregnant. And, and I just didn't understand when it had come so easily in my youth that I couldn't have children anymore. Um, due to some health issues with my husband, um, that's kind of where we, we dealt with the, in, you know, infertility. Um, but I remember at one Bible study, uh, I met this woman and she was very large. Like, I think she was carrying twins. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a blessing. Like, congratulations. And she's like, oh, they're not mine. Like, I'm helping a family. And I was like, what? What is this? Like, you you can do that? Like, they're, what is, you know, what's going on? And so after some research, I was like, I could do this. I could you know, I always wanted to be a foster parent. So I knew like loving a child till they go back to their family wasn't going to be an issue for me. So I thought, why not help another family and be able to go on this like amazing experience? Well, that takes a really, really special person. Um, and so at this point you had, when you're in Bible study, meeting this woman who's carrying yeah. somebody else's twins, you have children at home still. Yes. Yeah. So we have, um, I had my bonus daughter. She came pre-assembled like when she was six. Um, <laughs> awesome. Had my, my son, Ezekiel, um, he, and then my daughter, Ty. And so um, I think at the time when I learned about surrogacy, my son was going into high school. I hadn't had a child for maybe, you know, seven, eight years at the beginning of the process, but it didn't, Ty wasn't 10, wasn't, I think she was about 10 when we finally got to an actual surrogacy. So it took a couple of years to even get through the process because um, not a lot of people wanted to work with me in all honesty. Yeah. Okay. We'll I, get um, into that. So can I ask you, you, you came home from Bible study with this revelation <laughs> and you came home to your family and, and did they think you were a nutso? Oh, completely. My husband, we were living in Vegas at the time and he was like, I mean, what, what is this? Is this like, you know, and, and, and excuse my, my language, but are, is this prostitution? Like what, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It happens in a lab. Like there's doctor's offices. And one thing my husband knows is when I get something in my head, I'm pretty stubborn. And so it took about six months of research. Um, but what really changed his heart because he was not on board was realizing how many family members dealt with infertility. Um, I had a sister-in-law who had a hysterectomy after her two daughters, you know, we had our best friends that were going through cancer and, um, I really wanted to help them. Um, I didn't understand quite what surrogacy was. Um, and I wasn't looking for compensation. I just wanted to help somebody. Like I felt like what a waste of, you know, this, this body God had given me, I know can bear children, you know, why not help? And so, um, finally he realized, you know, okay, there are a lot of people we know, like, you know, no one talks about infertility. So he didn't understand there were so many people we could help. Well, that's beautiful. Were there any cons in your mind at that time when you were trying to make this decision or your decision was already made? Like you were doing this. So I wasn't, um, I wasn't qualified when I first started. I was overweight, so I didn't have the BMI limit. Um, there were a couple things that were just not qualifications, but they weren't permanent. And so I worked for six months um, and lost like 35, 40 pounds, which was good for my health anyways. Um, 
as a mom, I feel like I do things that benefit others. But like when it's for myself, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to like put the effort in for 40 pounds. But for someone else, I was like, I could do this. And so, yeah, I worked to get qualified. Um, and then I started my trek of like applying at agencies. But because I was a um, I wanted to help a heterosexual family and I was a pro-life surrogate, a lot of agencies kind of turned me down. And and so I just kept on this track of like, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. And um, and it was yeah definitely a whirlwind, ups and downs for sure, trying to get to surrogacy. <laughs> wow. So tell us, what does a pro-life surrogate mean? Yeah. So um, surrogacy, obviously, you know, um, termination is not black and white, you know, in this field. Um, but for a pro-life surrogate, we would only, you know, terminate if our life was in danger. Um, which is actually something you have to agree to, to pass psych, um, you have to be willing to save your life. And so, uh, that's kind of where I was at. Um, I didn't want to terminate for any, you know, minor reasons. I wanted to believe that this child could make it, that there was a plan for this child, whatever that looked like for them. And so, um, that was really, you know, important to me. And there, there are, you know, surrogates and families out here that, that felt the same way. And I knew I could find a family that would would feel the same way. And so that's where I was at. Um, some surrogates, they are more on the severe term. If, if a child was incompatible with life, extremely poor quality of life, you know, those were all things that as a surrogate, it's our bodies. And so we get to make that decision. Um, and as an agency, it's important that people match each other with like-mindedness so that there's no complications. Um, I don't judge others for their decisions, but for my personal life, I have to follow my values. That makes sense. And so you match with an agency. And what was that first experience like? Horrible. <gasps> uh, Tell me. Yes. Um, I matched with a family and I didn't know to discuss those important topics. I talked to the agency. And the reason I was going through an agency is I didn't want to talk money and I didn't want to talk termination. I didn't want to talk those hard things with the parents. I wanted a buffer so that we could grow a friendship. And so I trusted the agency and we went about medical screening was great. We're in legal. Um, they're having me start medications. And again, this is eight years ago when there wasn't a lot of information on the internet. So I didn't know how it was supposed to go down. I just was like, I'm going to use my womb. Um, and so they in legal found out they were on the opposite end of termination. And so there was no way we were going to come to any type of agreement and we had to break the match. And it broke my heart because I know how much these parents were depending on me and how much money they had spent to get to that point. But I couldn't be the 1% or the person that like it ended up happening to. I, I just didn't know how I was going to be able to face that. And so I walked from them and the agency. And you are on medication already. Which is not supposed to happen. Uh, I found out later they were trying to hit a deadline. And so they were like, oh, we'll sign contracts on Friday. You know, we'll be able to transfer the next week. So here I am on medications. Um, but you're not supposed to do that. There's, you know, we have Seeds Ethics, which is an organization that creates guidelines. Um, clearly, those guidelines were not being followed. And so um, I learned that. And that's kind of where my heart for advocacy came into play. Like, wait a minute, there's a lot more in this. Like, not everyone's running around with like their heart on their sleeve and and, and pure motives. And so I really needed to step back and, and do more research. Um, and that's kind of where I came into working with my first agency that was successful. Um, but that one took like eight months uh, to get to. Were you ready to try right away? I mean, you stopped your medication. You stopped this relationship. Obviously, you're not um, working with that agency. 
I stepped back and did a lot of praying. I felt like if it was this hard, was this really what, what was, what I was supposed to be doing? I really felt like it was a calling. I felt like this is, you know, and so I prayed on it and I just, I really felt like I needed to continue forward. And when a door permanently closed, then I knew that's not where I was going to go. And so I, you know, took that time. I applied with another agency and then we were working on finding a match. Um, I found a match there and they were from China. I was so excited. Um, they agreed to my termination stance. I felt like this was it. Um, and then we got to the medical screening where I was basically berated by the doctor and told how selfish I was for my stance and that they would never approve a surrogate who was like me. Um, and so I left that meeting in tears and thought, what am I doing? Like, honestly, I, I just don't, I feel so much in my heart. This is what I'm supposed to do, but I don't understand why it's so hard. Why is it so hard for me to help a family? <laughs> and, um, and so I went back to the drawing board, same agency. They apologized profusely. They, you know, they, they, they were like, Hey, we had no idea. And so the next family I was shared was my right family. And, um, I fell in love with Andy from the very beginning. She was an amazing woman and so excited. And, you know, she was everything I was hoping for. Her husband was great. And um, I ended up carrying three babies for them. We fell in love wow. with each other. And so I just slept with them. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. so interesting, the falling in love. I always say that about my third child is born um, from embryo donation. And I'm telling you, there is something about like falling in love with another human um, in this process. Yeah. And I'm like in love with his donor. I, I really, yeah. it's such a special relationship. I know it's obviously different, but it's something that is indescribable when you're like receiving help or offering the help for this family. Um, yeah, okay, so you carried three so children. Fun. Yeah. I mean, yes, for them. <laughs> and so what was that experience like? I mean, what was the relationship like? What did it, I love hearing the details of these type of yes, arrangements. Yeah. So, um, our first journey, we, I mean, we cried on that match call. Um, she had said like, you know, given, given my stance, the thing that people shamed me for, she celebrated and she said, you know, Hey, if you've got such a strong belief, I know that you're not going to do anything to to harm my baby. You're going to do everything you can to keep baby safe. And, and finally someone saw where my heart was coming from. I wasn't trying to be difficult. You know, I really just, I valued their embryo so much. I wanted to give them the chance. And so, um, we went through the process and about four months into it, she calls me as I'm four months pregnant and says, I'm so sorry. I got pregnant naturally after five years of failed IVF but I still want both babies. And I said, uh, yeah, you get both babies. That's, that's <laughs> so we were actually pregnant together. Um, Whoa, pregnant what an start. experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I delivered, you know, Jaden and I'm allowed to use their names. Um, she's like, share my babies with the world. Um, so I delivered Jaden, um, in January 10th and then Nelson, she delivered Nelson, um, like February 5th. And so, she had these, both these babies. Um, and it was really amazing. So she was from out of country, you know, hubby, we delivered early a little, um, we got into a fender bender. And so I delivered a couple weeks early. She wasn't prepared. And so I, um, had her stay with me at our house in Vegas because I didn't want her to get taken advantage of by like any, you know, hotels or Ubers. And so 
She came to the whole hospital. Uh, we then moved into my home for a week or two and I pumped and, and, and nursed and whatever she needed. And it helped her because she was eight months pregnant with a newborn. And so we just became family. And even though she didn't speak a lot of English, we, we definitely kind of bonded over memes and translation apps. Um, now at this point, you know, three babies later, she speaks fluent English, but it was just a nice time. We both had this love for this child and for each other that it worked. It didn't make sense to others, but it worked for us. And so just watching I get that. Her. I really get that. Um, different experience, but like, you know, people ask me how the first time my son met his, you know, biological yeah. mom, really. Um, we both were like looking at it because it was the first time we met in person also. And Amazing. we were just like, everything was like, is this okay? Is this okay? And I'm like, take the baby. For me, it was my third kid. And I'm like, I needed all the help in the world that I could get. So I felt yeah. very confident. And the best thing that she's always said to me is like, I love him, but I also yeah. know he's not mine. Yes. And it's like, I'm an aunt or a grandparent, like keep on sending the pictures over. I care so yeah. much, but I also recognize that he is your child. Um, and I wonder if that's... I, yeah, what I found amazing about Andy was there was never one bit of jealousy. And, and I would have never blamed her if there was, you know, um, jealousy or any type of worry, like, because it's her baby and she didn't get to experience that baby growing. Like, but she didn't. She, she just welcomed me and she wanted what was best for the baby. And so she wanted to make sure baby got milk and she wanted to make sure that like, he still heard my voice after a little, you know, just to, to kind of connect. And even though it was like a week, the first time that we stayed together, we had that bond and she, she understood exactly. Like you said, I prayed over that child every day. I loved that child every day, but it wasn't my child. It was like a niece or nephew. Like I wouldn't keep my sister's son if I babysat him for nine months, you know, like that's, it is what it is. Like my season in life with them was to love them and grow them. That's where I had to believe that I was, you know, that for me, it's, it's my beliefs that I have to trust that I'm not the best option. Those are their, you know, their parents are the best option and that they were meant and destined to be with their parents. You know, fertility is not 100%. IVF is not 100%. I firmly believe that a successful transfer is a blessing that a baby that grows is a blessing. And so, you know, to me, their, their lives are already set up. They, there's a plan already put in place for them. I was just part of their story. I love that. We always say IVF, of course, it's, you know, the doctors and science, but there's absolutely a God factor. So oh, we agree 100%. with that. The doctors agree with that for sure. Yeah. So what was the birth experience like in the hospital um, with this child? So I was working in ministry at the time. And so I felt like I was going to just I was going to show them how amazing God is, you know? And so I had a very quiet birthing um, process. I got to the hospital and I, you know, I forgot to register because we were early. Um, and so I'm filling out all this paperwork and I'm in active labor. I'm talking four to five minute contractions. Uh, the nurse comes out and, and she's a little rude. And she says, you know, well, your contractions don't matter. It's how dilated you are. And I'm like, okay, well, can we go check? Because pretty sure this baby's coming. And so we get to the triage room. I use the restroom and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's ahead. So I get on the bed and she's like, Oh, you're a seven. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm at a nine or a 10. 
Um, I get upstairs and we're waiting for the doctor. The doctor's taking forever to like drive over. It's raining in Vegas. Nobody knows how to drive in the rain in Vegas. And so I'm waiting. And at about 45 minutes, I, you know, after we got there, I looked up at the nurse and I just said, can you pop my water? And she's like, I can't, but you can push. And so I pushed and, and broke my water bag. And here came this beautiful baby. He was born at 36 weeks because we had that, you know, fender bender. Um, but he was six pounds, 13 ounces, didn't need any oxygen. Um, you know, mom was on her way up because again, we weren't planning this birth. So she was coming from California. Um, so I did do skin to skin. We had agreed that if mom wasn't there, my job was not done. I was not going to let this poor little guy sit in a bed in a nursery. Um, I was going to take care of him till I could give him back to his mom. Um, I have control issues. So I wanted to make sure he was safe. <laughs> and, um, and so she, she ended up getting up there um, eventually. And so, you know, she got to see him. And the moment she walked into the room, I remember her saying, um, and I get emotional. every day. It was like eight years ago, but she says, I've waited so long for you and I'm going to love you forever. And it was just like at that moment that I knew this is what I want to do with my life. Like I seeing like the years of like pain and suffering and losses and failed transfers. And for a woman who would love this child, like, and, and just the fact that like, there are so many women that struggle with infertility that would be amazing moms. And so at that moment I probably became addicted. Um, and so I, you know, I got to watch them have that moment together and it was just beautiful. Um, but yeah, so that was like it. And, and I get emotional every time. I just think that like birth of a child is just so beautiful and watching families heal from, from so much in that moment, they hold their child and, you know, the cost of surrogacy and IVF is not cheap and families like sacrifice and they, sacrifice their time and their hearts and their monies and everything to get this baby here, you know, but that moment when that happens, that's where it's all worth it, you know? Well, I appreciate that. I really, I mean, on behalf of all of us in the community that have a hard time, you know, having children on our own, we thank you. So clearly you were addicted. You went on to oh, have yeah. several more babies for her. Was it different? Um, different experiences, different pregnancies, uh, with yeah, the family. Um, yeah. So our second pregnancy was very smooth. So I had Jaden, she had Nelson and then came Ivy. Um, so we had a little girl. Um, it was amazing. She stayed two weeks with us. We, you know, we got to spend time with them and then they had to go home. Um, at that point we had, we had at that time, three more embryos. And I had promised that we would get all of her babies out of frozen. Right. But they just kept sticking. So I thought, well, we've got, you know, we've got these embryos, five embryos where maybe we're going to have two babies. Right. And so, um, she said, Hey, look, I'm exhausted. Like three kids under three it's, it's intense. So I'm going to have to step back. And I said, okay, no problem. Um, at that time we had just opened, I ended up opening an agency. Um, so at that time, you know, we're trying to recruit surrogates and a family comes through my, my table and I look at this poor family that has one embryo. Um, they don't have any more funds to do any more IVF. They're done. They're tired. 
it was going to be a hard match, you know, for, for a surrogate. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can find them a surrogate. I'll just do it. Right. Like problem solved. I'll just carry their baby. It'll be fine. <laughs> so isn't that so lesson called, one of like being the boss, like you're supposed to delegate, not take it on. I told you I have control issues. Yeah. Um, so I saw this family and I just, I felt really bad. Their story was just so hard to read. But, you know, and so I thought, okay, I'll help them. You know, it's, it's meant to be, they were with the same clinic I was at. So why not? Um, and so we went about that. And that was the first time that I thought I was going to have a failed transfer. Um, but it ended up being well, like, I mean, the numbers were low. He just kept barely doubling. Um, but he was born, you know, Joshua was born at 38 and a half weeks after that time, the relationship with the parents was not the same. Um, I try to tell surrogates that you, you cannot expect to have a family. Like you go in this to help a family. You have to go in this with the pure motive of helping a family, not about serving yourself. And if your relationship grows with the family, then that's a blessing. Um, and that's really hard. And I had to live that because we didn't at the very end, um, COVID is happening. They're not able to get into the country. They don't understand like the reason for induction. You know, they're seeing, oh, I'm going to miss the birth of my child. They're not realizing we're trying to do this to save their child, to make sure their child is safe and that there's nothing wrong with them. And so that was a really hard one because I didn't get to spend time with the child. I didn't pump milk. Um, they had changed their mind on both options and it's their child and they can make that decision. And, and so that was the one I had to really examine my heart and, and understand that you do have to go into this, just helping a family. Like you can't. So how do you do that? Did you go to therapy? Was your partner helpful? Yeah, my husband, um, it, I think for my husband, it's really hard. I find for men to watch their wives hurt, like, and to be crushed and, and them not to be able to solve it. Right. Like, I feel like my husband has this heart to solve things like, Oh, there's a problem. I'll solve it. You don't have to be sad, but he couldn't solve this. This was in my heart. This was in my head. And so he had to literally just sit there and watch me hurt, you know, and, and, and try to console me, but he didn't know what to say. He's never experienced childbirth. And so um, I did. I went through therapy. I really held strong to friends and family and just understanding. And time, you know, went by and it, it got easier. And um, and that really gave me a heart for um, creating a very, you know, solid support system after surrogacy for our surrogates at our agency. Like, I feel like everything I've went through has helped me to, you know, create a better program. And so that was a lesson learned. I really counted on my coordinators and, and things like that. Um, but good news on that is three years later, I recently received a text from them. I had never met him. I've seen maybe three pictures of him, you know, throughout the years. Um, and they, they messaged me and said, Hey, we're coming to California next year. Would you be open to meeting with us? And I just, I can't believe that like their hearts are restored. They, you know, and it'll be really awesome to see like this little guy and, and, and see like, wow, he's, he's grown. Cause I don't have that relationship with him and, and that's okay. You know, that's what the parents felt, but they're finally at a place where they're comfortable enough to allow me to meet. And if that's just as a introduced as a friend, that's fine. But to get to actually see him in, in person is going to be really awesome. I'm, I'm glad for them. And I'm glad for you as well. I think that that's an important yeah. piece of the puzzle for everybody. Yeah. So um, I quit. 
fired at that point. I was never going to be a surrogate again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of babies. <laughs> that was three. So I, at that point I had five vaginal births. Right. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm done. I quit. I, this is not for me. I'm just going to help families and, you know, and, and I'm going to support surrogates. Um, but two years ago, Andy calls again. Right. And says, Hey, and how old I'm at this point, two years ago. So, um, I delivered, I delivered miles in April. So I would have been 37, maybe 36. I would have been like 36. She calls me. She's like, Hey, okay. you want to do it again? I'm like, only for you. I will only come out of retirement for you. And so that was a great one. Cause that's technically my last journey I can do. Um, we defrosted a mosaic little girl and she did not survive. And so we ended up, um, transferring miles, um, and this was the first surrogate baby I got to name. Uh, so, yeah. So Miles is—he's cool. He's a cool little guy. He's super happy, you know. Um, and we got to spend some time together. Same thing we did with all of them. Um, but yeah, I think that was like the proper ending to the journey. I would have hated for my last journey to be the one of heartbreak. Um, and so this one kind of just healed my heart and let me know, like, okay, Ashley, hang it up. That's six babies. Um, which by the way, is what I always had in my heart. I always wanted six children. I always wanted to have this giant family. My husband's one of 13 and, you know, and so it was awesome. The, the best part is like, I got to have six children, but I'm only responsible for, you know, the two that I, you know, that I birthed and, and my, you know, bonus daughter and I get to pop in like a grandparent and feed candy and say hi. And I have no responsibility to how they turn out. I just get to love them. <laughs> I, I love your story and I love your energy. Um, so you're on the other side now. So you have an agency and you yeah. also have all this firsthand experience of being, you know, a carrier. What yeah. advice do you have for your, um, your intended parents when they're yeah. choosing a surrogate from the other side? Yeah, definitely. So for parents, when they're choosing a surrogate, I think it's important to to allow the clinic to make the medical decisions, right? So there are the ASRM guidelines, the American Society of Reproductive Medicines has their guidelines of like age, BMI, number of pregnancies, number of C-sections, all of those items. I think it's important to trust the doctors on that side of it, but really understand what type of relationship are you wanting with this woman? I think, you know, media portrays a very transactional relationship, but surrogacy is very relational. Um, while women are compensated, they want to feel like they're helping a family. They want to see, you know, the happiness um, that a parent goes through and they want to feel like they're not a commodity. Um, I don't know any woman who's like, oh, I'm a surrogate because I'm wanting to get rich. One, we don't get rich, you know. And so um, I think important to know what kind of personality, what kind of character. Um, I always say really agreeing on termination, communication. If you're requiring the COVID vaccination, that's important, or your clinic is location, what type of relationship you want with her. Um, we, we help parents from all over the world. And even if you are across the world, you can still do Skype and Zoom if you want to be part of, you know, the appointments or the ultrasounds or, you know, things like that. Whatever a parent wants, um, they should be understanding of that. The other side of it that a lot of agencies don't talk about is talking about your boundaries and what you're comfortable with. You know, this is a very vulnerable time for parents. You give up a lot of control and you put trust in an agency that you don't 
you know, you haven't worked with, you don't know, um, you're trusting this woman to carry your most precious gift. And so understanding that, like, what are you comfortable with? Do you want all the updates? Do you want her to do surprise gender reveals? Do you want her to, um, share, you know, pregnancy tests before the blood test, like understanding what's going to make you comfortable because you have to guard your heart. You, you know, a lot of women have, and men have had so much loss that sometimes you don't get excited until you're at that 20 week mark when you can kind of breathe and know this child is like the age of viability. And so even open communication with that, like making sure you guys can communicate. It's a weird relationship at the beginning. It's like a married at first sight, um, you know, an arranged marriage where you meet and you're like, Hey, you want to grow my baby? Yeah, totally amazing. Um, but that communication factor, making sure you have mental health, you know, if you're, if you've dealt with like, if you've dealt with a lot of loss or you're having a lot of mourning to work on that with a mental health professional prior to matching with a surrogate, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, trauma dump on, on another woman who's trying to grow your baby. And so that's definitely something I recommend is just, you know, getting that mental health support, understanding what are the, the preferences that you're willing to die on a hill for. Um, and then the others don't really matter in all honesty. They, they float away. There's, we have background checks, drug panels, psychological evaluations, medical record reviews, the clinic reviews, the surrogate, like that side of the screening, um, you know, most agencies disqualify at least 90% of applicants. So when you're seeing someone at that 10%, a lot of that's been done. They're not, they don't have a history of drug and alcohol use during pregnancy. They, you know, seen a doctor on a regular basis. So really getting to know your surrogate and her character is probably what's going to be best. I appreciate that. That is good yeah. advice. So what are we missing? I mean, what's, what's your famous last words for our listeners, you know, about your experience and just in general, when somebody is seeking a carrier? I would say don't give up. Like, don't give up. Like you have those babies there, you know, your embryos are frozen. Like there's, there's so many ways. Um, personally, we're not, you know, gatekeepers um, with our agency. And so even if you're not using an agency, you're going independent or you're going with another agency, like, um, I don't know if you'll release my contact info, but like, don't give up. There's so many resources. There's so many options. There's grants, there's scholarships. So many, uh, employers are now having fertility insurances. You know, I, I see like Maven and Progeny and Carrot, like there's so many of these different, um, options that, employers are realizing that infertility is a medical diagnosis. You know, the struggle of fertility is it needs to be covered by insurances. And some of these employers are even covering the surrogacy, the cost of the surrogacy. So understanding that side of it, um, you know, that there is a way, there's a way to figure it out. Family, friends, independent, like the, the cost can get significantly reduced. Um, and so just continue to search for that information. And if you do have questions, um, I'll try my best to answer them. Like, I really feel like everyone deserves to have their family. And so if there's any way that, you know, I can personally help, I'm, I'm here. Oops, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm here. If anyone needs okay. anything, I, mean, I know you guys give a lot of resources and just knowing that they're not alone and, you know, your podcast is so valuable to, to help people to, to not feel that, that being alone, you know, so whatever I can do to help, I'm here. 
We thank you. And tell us the name of the nonprofit that you're involved with. Yes. Um, so I've, you know, we've, there's, there's several available. Um, one that is really close to my heart because I think they're doing some amazing things is the gift of surrogacy foundation. Um, and Alexandra, they, this year will be giving away a hundred thousand dollar grant, um, to a family. Um, but they're, they're opening up resources and, and trying to help families as much as they can. Um, so I would definitely check them out. They're an amazing family. They went through surrogacy themselves. Um, her husband is involved, you know, on the financial aspect of like helping families and, um, they're just all around good people. They're part of my seeds, you know, committees that I'm on seeds, ethics committees. They're, they're active members of the, of the field. And so I would definitely check out. Yeah the name um, exactly. And I believe that the, the website is, um, I'm sorry, gift of surrogacy foundation. Um, I'm just kind of like, apologize. I want to get like the right. Yeah. And we can link it in our show notes as well. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a gift of surrogacy foundation. Yeah. org. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're a rock star and um, we just appreciate your your body and your service and your energy and your mind and your dedication to helping so many of us. I appreciate you for allowing me to share my story and, um, and seeing that there is, you know, beauty and um, ethics in surrogacy that, you know, there's a way to ethically do surrogacy and be able to help others. Thank you. Thank you.